There's incredible personal freedom in truth, yet we spend so much of our lives showing up the way we think we should. The ways that will make our parents happy, our colleagues respect us, society at large accept us, and of course, the ways that will make us look good on Instagram and social media. In My Truth is the antidote to the shoulds. Be a fly on the wall as my guests and I dive into the untruths we're currently living with and work through them together in real time. I'm Sarah Regalhuth, your host, and as I recently updated my Instagram bio to read, I'm not one thing, but many. Professionally, I run Grow My Team. I'm one of the co-founders of the League of Extraordinary Women, but personally, I'm a lot more than that. Last year, I moved through a breakdown. I also moved through a breakup. I also changed my entire career professionally, sold my company, ended 17 years in financial planning, a lot of change. During this period, I had a strong calling to share what was going on for me, to share it publicly on my blog, on my social media. I don't know why, but I really felt that it was important to open up these conversations and share with people what was really happening behind the scenes of my life. This sharing resulted in a lot of people reaching out to me to have deep conversations. And I started imagining what would it look like if other people could listen in on these conversations? What healing could come from that? I knew that I was healing. I knew the people I was having conversations with were healing. And I really felt that if other people could listen to these conversations, to what was happening in real time, as we worked through things, that healing would come for many. And so on a drive from Vancouver to Colorado, a pilgrimage, I would say, where I was moving my life back to the state that has called my heart since the first moment I ever set foot in there, this podcast, In My Truth, was born. It feels healing and growing for me. I believe it's healing and growing for my guests. And I feel that there will be healing and growing for you, my listeners. So let's dive in. Quick disclaimer before we dive in, what we talk about on In My Truth tends to be very raw and can be triggering. I have included in the show notes links to resources and places where you can get support and help if you do find yourself triggered by what we talk about. Welcome everyone to this episode of In My Truth. Today I have another of my Aubrey Marcus Fit for Service Fellowship friends, uh, Wyatt Haggerty. I've had quite a few of our Fit for Service community on the show, which has been awesome because we're all always willing to go into truth and untruth and all the uncomfortable stuff. So welcome, Wyatt. Tell us a little bit about you. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I love I love being a guest on a podcast because I'm super self-indulgent and I love to talk about myself and you know, <laughs> we can get into why that's a thing and I'm sure we will because I have so much to share and I'm really, really excited to be on here. It's coming at the perfect time. Um, but my name is Wyatt Haggerty. Um, I was born in Pittsburgh. I live in Austin, Texas now. I work for Aubrey Marcus and the Fit for Service Fellowship. I began as a member of that group and I kind of hatched this secret plan to be his personal videographer and, you know, find my tribe and work more closely with that group of people. And it worked out and now I'm here and I'm living the dream. And I love like Fit for Service is my basically my favorite thing that's going on in my life and I look forward so much to all of those meetings and just like being with the people and knowing that they're you know my family because 
I know, I love it. And we're all going to be together next week, which is very exciting. But yes, it's definitely my tribe and an amazing group of people where I feel like I can be completely myself. And that gives me the courage to be myself outside of that group as well, which is amazing. Um, So speaking of truth and courage and all of that, uh, what are you kind of working through, wrangling with, thinking about at the moment that you want to talk about? All right. Um, so this is a huge one and it's nothing, it's not something that I've discussed publicly before. Um, not on my Instagram, not on my podcast. It's called predicaments with Wyatt Haggerty. You can check it out on iTunes. <laughs> That's all five star reviews. It's fucking amazing. Everyone, please, <laughs> please go there. Yeah. <laughs> and leave only five star reviews. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, only, only, I mean, only leave what your truth is honestly. But, um, yeah, so this has been a journey 21 plus years in the making. I'm 25 years old, and this is something that I didn't expect to go through. It wasn't something that ever occurred to me as like, you know, a thing that I needed to work on. So it's been painfully obvious since I was a young kid, probably like 12 or so, that I didn't manage my emotions well. So like, as I started to wake up and become more attuned with myself and understand, you know, where I was in life and what I needed to work on, that was like an easy one of like, all right, when you get angry, these are the ways to manage that. When you get stressed out, these are the ways to manage that. When you're feeling depressed, this is how you manage that. Like that was a very obvious thing that was like, you know, a slow building process. Um, But I didn't ever expect that I was going to have to heal an addiction because I was like, I've never been an addictive person. You know, Mm -hmm. I've always used things to cope with emptiness or sadness or pain or whatever it is, you know, whether it was alcohol or cannabis or, you know, whatever it was like, I, I'm used to that, but I didn't think that I was going to have like an actual addiction and I was in denial of what this addiction was for so long. And the way that it became apparent to me, I completely ignored for over a year. And I started seeing a counselor, a, a therapist, in, I think, March 2018. So I've been mm-hmm. seeing her for quite a while. And she asked me to write a list of all of the things that I wanted in life right now. And I think like 60% of them were sexual. And she was like, you're a sex addict. And I was like, what? Nah, like that's bullshit. I don't know what you're talking about. And she was like, you're addicted to sex. And I was just like, no, no, that's not, that's not true. I'm, you know, a young, I'm like a young man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm a young guy Cause it's totally normal. And I have like mm-hmm. so many thoughts on what that is and, and seeing how we just totally normalize that behavior for men. And if you actually peel back the layers, like there's a lot of like sickness and trauma and conditioning going into that. So I never in my life thought that I was going to have to heal an addiction, let alone an addiction to sex. And that became like super, super apparent to me ever since I moved to Austin. So to give you some backstory, um, I was running a videography company for four years. I was living with a long-term partner and kind of just doing the thing and, you know, having a monogamous relationship and here and there we would open up the relationship and go, you know, have like a, what do you call it? Like a hall pass or whatever you go out with your friends Mm -hmm. and be like, Hey, whatever happens, happens. Like we would dabble in the open thing here and there. 
And um, I felt super trapped in that relationship and like not strong. And like, I felt like, I just felt like super weak. And she was a very, very powerful force of a woman to be around. So I mm-hmm. felt like I didn't really feel myself. And so, you know, I would work from home and I would just fucking jerk off all day. Like, you know, mm-hmm. for that there was this very clear, like desperation for sex that I wasn't getting and like, especially power as well. That was a big thing that um, mm-hmm. I'll get into why that was a part of my like sexual appetite um, shortly. But it became apparent whenever I moved to Austin from where I was living with her and we broke up the day that I moved to Austin and the day that we broke up, I found somebody on a dating app and hooked up with them like that night. Mm-hmm. That like, that's actually kind of horrifying for me to reveal right now that it was such a like, Oh, get me out of this fucking place. Like that. I, uh, I moved into my new house and before unpacking anything, <laughs> I got on a dating app and went and got my dick sucked. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, it's, so, it's so crazy whenever I, like, put that into words. And so it immediately started this, like, horrific chase for validation and just going at, like, sleeping with every girl that I could possibly find. And it was just, like, it was so, um, like, desperate, you know? It was really kind of sad. And what ultimately ended up transpiring as I, I really connected with this one, this one girl that I met back in uh, July and we saw each other for about two months and I was like physically and emotionally addicted to this young woman. Like it was the, it was the mm-hmm. very best sex that I've ever had in my entire life. And it like consumed every part of me. Like when she wasn't being like, Hey, I'm going to come over tonight. I was like, it's like just, Oh man, it's so, it's so hard to put in words, but like, I really was like feverishly trying to get after this, this woman Mm -hmm. and like always see her and was like so desperate for her attention and so desperate for the validation of like, you're amazing at sex. Like that's all I wanted to hear is like that. I'm strong. I'm awesome. My dick's amazing. All this stuff. Like it was just this, this hole that I was trying to fill with other people, you know, it was not a place of, of self-confidence or like self-assurance or love for myself. It was like, Hey, I fucking hate myself, but you make me feel amazing. And this is fun. So I'm just going to keep chasing after you get more and more and more of it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, so it, it came down to this, you know, this dance of like when I wasn't getting that fill from one area, I would just go to another area. And I was just like, constantly you know seeking all of that you know pleasure and attention and I never really felt fulfilled for it you know like it was like I don't know maybe five to ten minutes after coming that I'd be like cool that was fun now what you know like it's like you get out of that like that bubble of like ah that was sweet I did it I did the thing and and then it's over and you don't you don't really care anymore and there's Mm -hmm. no it doesn't leave you with anything rather than like that sexual energy being in you and through you and light lightening you up. And I don't know, kind of like carrying you through. I, I find like when I'm treating sex with respect and um, integrity and all of that, and I'm, you know, connecting from the right place, like that just gives me like this amazing energy and balances my energy. And that can last for days or whatever. But when I'm like, just trying to get that validation and that proof that like 
there's still guys out there that, you know, whatever, like I can find them and like, it makes me feel really hot or whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah exactly the same thing. Like once it's over, you're like, okay, like I don't feel that. I don't feel alive. I don't feel lit up. I don't feel anything. I feel like that was empty. Yeah. So if you want to take it a step deeper, this is how, this is the most spiritual bypass of like story that I've ever, ever heard. And it was me that did it. So <laughs> I started, I started realizing like, man, I never feel good after I have sex with someone. Like what's going on? Like, why is that a thing? And so I was still with this, this girl that I had this insane, insanely strong physical connection with. There wasn't really much going on there wasn't really much of a like partnership connection. It was just like our bodies fit together perfectly. And it was just like her, her wounds matched my wounds. And like, she wanted to be thrown around and told that she was a piece of shit. And I wanted to be like the powerful, like masculine dominator. And it was just like this whole, it was so gross when you really think about it, like not to shame our kinks or whatever the language is, but it was like, it was kind of sad when you really like peel back the curtain of like, damn, look at these two kids just like, you know, in their trauma, trying to like, that we're basically dis we're in our dysfunction and then we're dysfunctioning at each other, you know? Mm. And so yeah. the, the thing that I started doing is I realized like, man, this doesn't make me feel good at all. And so I started looking into like, like, semen retention and like multiple orgasms and like how to like harness your sexual energy and stuff. And so I would do it, but in the same container of like depravity and validation and like, I need this right now. And so I would do these practices that would like make me feel like basically normal. It wouldn't make me feel like vitalized, but I could at least like keep my core in there so that I could justify overindulging in sex more. And so like, I don't know, it really kind of blows my mind when I like peel back that layer. And um, something really interesting happened the day after I slept with her for the first time. And like uh, a mushroom trip put this in perspective for me and talking with um, Austin Floyd from Fit for Service. Mm -hmm. uh, after we, we did mushrooms together, and I started talking about this thing that had happened where uh, a rash started right on my solar plexus and spread across my entire body over the course of like the next month, the day after I slept with her for the first time. And I was like, oh, did I get like herpes or like HIV from her or something? And it was this whole process of like trying to figure out like what was going on with my body. And he told me after this mushroom trip we had is that most rashes and skin conditions are a psychosomatic symptom of you feeling unworthy or like repulsed by yourself. Mm. And so it is, it's like really eerie to think about that there was this thing that was almost like a one-to-one -one ratio of when I was at probably the deepest layer of my my sex addiction with this girl my rash was at its absolute worst like so she the whole time we're doing this I'm like covered head to toe in these like red splotches all over me and like the dermatologist couldn't figure it out they were like yeah we don't know what the fuck's going on and it's it's so eerie that it come it started on my solar plexus which is your like willpower center mm. right so that I was unable to harness the willpower to 
changed the course of my life or like have healthy habits when it came to sex. And it began there and spread across my entire body while I was feeling, you know, the most egotistical because I was like, I felt good at what I was doing and I felt so validated by my performance in the bedroom and the amount of sex that I was having and how hot I thought she was and how hot all my friends thought she were and all this stuff. And it was like, it was this strange kind of thing that looking back on it, it's like, I wonder if I, I really can't pretend that those things are, are unrelated now at yeah. this point. Isn't that, it amazing? I think our bodies just like scream at us and we, yeah, they know. We like try to not connect the dots and it's like, it's so obvious if we can just listen, like if we can just yeah. be still for a minute and be like, what is, what is going on? I've talked about it on the show before and I won't go into it um, because of that. But when I discovered my abandonment wounding um, and dove into that, I healed my asthma like very quickly. And I mean, that's something I'd lived with for, you know, 35 years or something. I think I was like two or three years old when I first got it. Um, it was all just related to that. Like it was related to the wound that I needed to heal the work that I needed to do on myself. And when I yep. did it free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had so many symptoms like just throughout life go away after learning a lesson. Yeah. You know? It's so, it's so bizarre. And it's like, it, and it keeps, it rears its head here and there to like check in to see if you like, if you get it still, you know? And so I'll notice like, I'll kind of forget things, you know, here and there and I'll start feeling down about myself and I'll see the areas where the rash was like just really slightly get pink again. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I got it. All right. I'm going to. So true. Yeah. And I'm, I, okay, I so it. while we're talking about sex, I like wrote this post about sex and sexual shame last week and um, my mom was not happy about it. <laughs> she was really unimpressed with me writing this post. And she decided to like, she was like, I don't, I don't want to follow you on social media anymore. And then that for me felt like this, I guess it reared some form of my abandonment, some triggering. I did not feel good. We've worked through it. It's all good, but I did not feel good. And I started feeling, I started getting asthma a little bit. And I, now I have the self-awareness to know. And I was like, oh, how fascinating. Like, yeah. You are really feeling like this trigger of like this abandonment, this not being enough type of thing yeah. based on what's happening in your life. And it is physically manifesting. So I had to like just sit with it and process. And it's, it was a rough couple of days. It's been a rough couple of days. This is the first day I felt good for a while. Um, That's fascinating. But, I mean, I, yeah. I'm not surprised by it anymore. Like I can't, just after, I mean, it's mostly anecdotal experience, but I think there's a lot of power in people's stories. And when you start connecting the dots and, you know, you don't have to look at a medical, like medical literature to believe something, you know, the idea that only the people in the white coats have the, you know, the tangible knowledge that's true about the world and about our bodies is ridiculous. That's like saying that like the, um, the pastors at the church are the only ones that understand like how to connect to God. It's this, it's the same exact thing. Yeah. Like in my experience and like listening to people and, and myself personally, like emotions, emotional regulation and energy regulation are probably the two are the, are the major causes of almost all diseases, you know, save for a few totally. like genetic, uh, conditions, you know, that are, that are pretty rare it seems that almost all the things that people suffer from is, is based on their belief or some sort of trauma or, or whatever, you know, whatever state that their mind is in, 
or, you know, a place that energy is trapped in their body. Like it, I can feel, I can feel like the part of me that is still the way that I grew up feeling is being like, that's fucking stupid. You know, like that's so woo woo and out there. And I, I need to turn that part of me off, honestly, because I do believe that it's the truth. Like I Mm. can see it in people's eyes, you know, and you can, I can feel it in myself. I've watched it happen with like almost every sickness symptom or like skin condition or mental thing. Like as soon as I focused on the emotions and the energetic needs that my body was having, poof, all of it fucking goes. Yeah. It's, but you're going against 20 something years of conditioning yeah. um, and very strong conditioning that, you know, it, we don't know why we're sick and we just have to take medicine and, um, you know, treat the symptoms and, you know, most like so much of modern Western medicine. I mean, there is some really, really amazing things about it, obviously like life-saving things and all of that, but so much of it is treating symptoms versus like, are we getting to the core of it? And, you know, if we can look at the emotional side, diet and all of that, what we're putting into our bodies. I mean, there's just, I always, the way I've always looked at it is like, well, let me start there at least and do like everything I can in my power that's to do with like my emotional well-being, my mental well-being, um, and then, you know, resort to something else if if that's where I have to go. Like that's how I approached when I was experiencing depression last year. I was like, I'm not going on any depressants because I don't believe I have like some weird chemical imbalance or something like that. I believe that there's stuff I need to get to the bottom of and I need to heal. And I was like, I'm just going to do everything I can to heal. So anyway, let's jump to, so where are you right now with this sex addiction and like, how, what are you doing? How do you like wrangle it and have you healed it? Did you get to the bottom of what it, like, what was, what was at the root of it? And is that enough to move it? Yeah. You're looking, you're looking at a healed man, honestly. Like I, yeah, it's wild. And it's something, um, like I said, at the very beginning that began, um, early, early in my childhood, um, so I don't really know what part of this story to start at. Um, but yeah, essentially, man, it was probably exactly a year to the day, like today that we're, that this experience unfolded. And, um, I'd have to look, I'd have to look at my calendar and see, cause it was right around this time. It's really close mm-hmm. in this, uh, this month, <laughs> but I was in Peru, um, at an ayahuasca retreat last um, November and December, did two retreats in a row, was filming some stuff for them. So I was there for about a month. And um, before one of the ceremonies, I was just sitting with one of the women that worked there and I was talking to her and I was like, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I was sexually abused as a child. And she's like, what? And I was just like, yeah, I don't know why I'm feeling this right now, but I feel like, I need to ask, but I'm so fucking scared. Mm. I have like, I don't know what to do. You know, if you, if you find that out, like that's everything about your entire life changes. If you find out that you've been repressing something like that. Yeah. Particularly if you've blocked it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I had, you know, no memory. And I, the thing that triggered me to say that was we were just sitting by a fire, um, probably like two hours or so before the, the one ceremony started and I, uh, I thought of this moment that I had where I saw 
spoiler alert, I was sexually, you know, <laughs> abused multiple times by someone that my family really trusted my neighbor growing up. Mm. And I saw him as a teenager. I, we moved from the house that I, I grew up in um, when I was like seven. So up until, or six. So up until, from birth until six, somewhere in that range is when this took place. Um, based on the ceremony, uh, uh, it said that I was four years old. And that was like when a majority of this stuff happened. And uh, I saw him on my 17th birthday. And I don't know what made this come into my consciousness while I was sitting by this fire. Obviously, it was my higher self trying to get me to learn this lesson and confront this, you know, deep thing that I had been avoiding. And I, I remembered him just knocking on our front door and coming in and being like, hey, I came to say happy birthday to you. And I was like, okay, like, what's up? And I remember feeling like so uncomfortable and I was kind of an awkward teenager. I'm still an awkward 25 year old. I'm doing my best, you know? And so I had, I did, couldn't tell if I was feeling like super uncomfortable because something about me didn't like him or if I was just being awkward and uncomfortable because there was a person that I didn't really know that well anymore in my house. And I, like, my body was, like, sweating. Like, my face was red. It was, like, everything was, like, no, like, threat, you know, like, instantly, like, into fight or flight mode. And we were just standing in this hallway in my house. And he gives me this box. And he's, like, this is for you. And I'm, like, okay. And I open it up. And it's this bracelet, this black chain bracelet. Like, think of, like, if you could give a gift to your sub in a bondage like bdsm relationship this is what you would give them like a mm. black chain that they wear around their wrist that's like i got you and like i don't know what made that like enter my consciousness and i was just like what the fuck why did he give me that thing what did that mean was it like he didn't have any money he wasn't a very well-off person and he gave me this like 150 200 black chain bracelet can i can i go get that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i apologize no you're good okay so essentially this this memory popping back into my head led me to think like okay something isn't right here and i'm not certain what it is but i need to ask and so um so i went you know, into the ceremony with that intention. And I felt like, ah, man, it's hard to. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're amazing. Ah, <sighs> uh, okay. So, you know, I went in, I went into the ceremony and I drank the first cup of ayahuasca and, um, almost immediately I, I asked and I kind of had the, you know, the initial, um, you know, introduction of the different energies and things, you know, with the, the geometry and the different figures. And they were um, kind of just showing me that I was okay. There was this male and female, almost like goddess figure just twirling around in front of me. And 
helping me like yawn and like relax. And I just like, it was really pleasant. It was kind of scary, but it was like really pleasant. And I just, you know, relaxed and was like, okay, like I'm good. I'm gonna be all right. Like, this is, this is cool. And they just, I was like sweating, like really gently and like rhythmically. Like there were every yawn, like they would pull like the yawn out and he's like, a bead of sweat would come out of every pore at the same time in this like rhythm. It was, it's so psychedelics are fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And the fact that that just, you drink this thing and you have this experience of a God and a goddess twirling around in this DNA wow. helix in front of you, helping you yawn into comfort so that you can accept the most horrifying thing you've ever looked at in your entire life. And uh, all it showed me was my childhood home. And I just started crying so fucking hard. And I was like, yep, okay. And I just had this like deep, deep feeling in my stomach. Like, okay, this is, this is it. You know, like that's, you know. And I just laid there on my side and cried, you know, and just, I wept for that boy. Mm -hmm. That boy that I no longer am, you know, that, you know, I, I can only say that it happened for a reason now looking back on it. But, you know, if I was my dad, you know, and, or if I, if I was in that situation as a father and found out that someone did that, I can't say that I wouldn't kill that person, mm. you know? And it's like that higher perspective of like, can you imagine trying to tell your four-year-old that they were abused for a reason? Mm. you know and it I was mean, it was difficult yeah mm. and it's not it's not your place to tell that person that thing I don't I don't believe and you know so I was like okay what's what is the best possible good of this situation and I thought about it and I was like okay I'm gonna help people I'm gonna at any time that this comes up I'm gonna fearlessly share this so that people can people can rationalize it in their in their minds and understand that it didn't happen to you, that it happened for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 it was really like ultimately beautiful to confront that, but <laughs> there's a huge, but on this story after that had all kind of unfolded with perfect timing as you know, shamans tend to have because they're, you know, the closest thing we have to wizards in our society in the world right now. The shaman asks if I want a second cup and I say out loud, no. And my body gets up and crawl. Like my mind is like, no, fuck no. Mm. And yet I still crawl across the floor and go and drink the second cup. And I'm like, what am I doing? I didn't like, I'm having this monologue in my head of like, no, no. Like it was like I was being controlled by something else. And I, go back to my, my mat and I'm just immediately like sick to my stomach, like the worst, the worst pain and discomfort like that I've, I've felt in my entire life. And I, I start seeing this image of like a, like an infinite field in like the Midwest. I don't know if you've ever been to like Kansas or something, just mm -hmm. an infinite flat field. And there's a thunderstorm on the horizon. And I look 
at this thunderstorm and the lightning is striking behind the clouds and making that typical, you know, black clouds with the white flashes within them, you know, you've seen the imagery hundreds of times. And I'm just looking at it like, what, what does this mean? Like just super confused, like, okay, um, there's a thunderstorm in a field. Now what? This larger flash occurs and I see something in the clouds. And I'm like, okay, cool. Still, still not super psyched about where this is going because it's starting to get, you know, the imagery is starting to become more intense as my body becomes sicker. And all of a sudden it flashes again and there's this giant like demon god thing, like an infinitely tentacled monster in the clouds. And it has like, it looks like something out of an HP Lovecraft novel. I don't know if you're f familiar with that stuff, but it's like, <laughs> no <idea. laughs> like a demon. The, the, yeah. You can imagine the monster that causes humans to molest children. This is what this thing is. Oh, and, and it flashes again. And like thousands of its tentacles are inside my body. And they're... They're wrapped around my ribs, they're in my throat, they're behind my eyes, they're fucking everywhere. And I'm just like stuck. And I'm like, okay, what, what do I do? And I hear, are you ready? And I'm like, ready for what? And before I can even think of like what's happening, each tentacle starts getting ripped out of my body. And so like my in vision and in feeling, like my guts are coming out, my eyes are getting pulled out, my skin's getting set on fire, like every part of me was being torn to pieces by the removal of this, this trauma essentially is what that was trying to get me to visualize. Mm. And uh, I start screaming and crying and throwing up and I'm like shaking and convulsing and sweating. And the shaman sat with me for like 45 minutes while I just went through this, this hell while I was just taken, like put in a blender essentially and just taking torn into pieces. And like every, every part of me, you know, was, was removed basically or broken. You know, I could feel my, my bones break. I could feel, feel it like crush my throat as it was torn out like it was so so intense and that night you know once I came out of that that was one of you know at that moment that was the strongest I had ever felt in my entire life you know that mm. I had that I had gotten rid of that initial thing and you know it it was something that since that day over the last year I think I finally have a sense of like what that meant. So that was the moment of like confronting the trauma itself. That was the acknowledging it and, and ridding myself of it so that I wouldn't be someone to, to pass on that trauma to a child. And so I never had, I never had any like sexual inclinations towards kids but I did have this thing where I kind of like hated them for no reason. Mm. Like I kind of was just like, yeah, you're fucking annoying. Like, please go away. And I didn't really get what that was until that moment where I was like, Oh, was that the spirit of a child abuser inside of me that someone like passed down to me? And so my whole life I'm like, yeah, kids are annoying. I don't really want to be around them. And like, well, like you're afraid of almost afraid of it because yeah. of the energy that it represented for you in your life. You're like, you just, you're like, 
trying to like resist that or something. Exactly. Like there's, I mean, there's so many layers to what those, you know, how in tune our psyches and our bodies are mm. to our, our trauma. There's so many layers to that. And it was just like, I don't know. It was all like, it was fucking wild to realize that of like, Oh shit. Did I like, did I hate kids because I secretly wanted their light to be like squashed in some way, which is unconsciously essentially what someone that's abusing a child does is they, they are completely hollow and like bereft of any light themselves because of their experience. So they act out that trauma on another being, Mm. you know, it's like this perpetual cycle. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, some, somewhere down the line, someone traumatized the, that first child, you know, and then it spreads out from there infinitely. And then we end up here and I, I'm so grateful that I was called to break that chain. You know, that was my part of my karma here that I was here to break that and say, fuck no and help break that for other people. You know, as much as I can, I hope that, you know, anybody listening to this, like this is really challenging material to, to digest and and to share and listen to, especially if you know someone or have experienced something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really you know, it's tough and I, I can't be the one to say that it happened for you, you know, like I can't be the one to be like, Hey, chin up. Like there's a lesson to be learned here. Like that's, that's, you know, there, whoever, whoever's life and act like that has affected, that's their journey to find that if they choose to, that's what I did. I couldn't. Yeah. The thing that's been resonating with me a lot over the past couple of years is like that I have to alchemize my pain. Like I, I have to, otherwise it'll crush me, you know, and I, I have to become okay with it and I have to accept it and, and, and learn from it. And so that was kind of the catalyst of opening up the box of learning about my sex addiction. So up until that point I had been, kind of bisexual like just kind of like it was this thing where I would like be with a woman primarily and then here and there be like hey I'm gay a little bit and I want to go do this thing but what I didn't realize was that that part of me was coming from that trauma Mm. and that I was acting I wanted to be the I wanted to be the top or like the aggressor to a man to get back at the man that had abused me. And it was like this weird dance. And so something happened a few months after that ayahuasca ceremony where I had my first gay experience in a a pretty long time. And I like couldn't dislike it more. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, it wasn't like a shame thing of like, I shouldn't be doing this or I felt shameful that I was doing something that was gay. It was like, I don't think this is my thing anymore, you know? And it was like this really shocking realization of like, damn, okay, now what, (laughs) you know, like now, now where do I go from here? Mm. So that was something that I didn't put together. Like I just kind of thought like, I thought I was just shaming myself into feeling bad about what I was doing. But then a few months later talking about this exact thing with a group of friends, I was like, Oh, 
I got rid of the the trauma that was causing me yeah. to act in that way. And that's not to say, you know, like homosexual behavior comes from trauma. I don't know. But in my case, it feels like it did. And so... Well, and I think... Uh, it, what comes to me as you as you speak, and I'm not an expert either on this, is just intuitively, it's like either would have gone two ways, it feels like, either what happened to you where you're like, oh, not, not into it anymore, there's no drive here, or you would have been into it but experiencing it totally differently. Yeah, exactly. You know, like you would have been enjoying it and it would have been filling you up in a really positive way, just like what we were talking about with the heterosexual sex. Like yeah. you, we have the destructive trauma patterns that play out in our sex. And then we have like, if we heal them or we have the right connection where it's not triggering those traumas, you know, it's a really beautiful energetic experience. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with that more. It really feels like that's something, that's not a door that I've closed completely because of that perspective exactly, where it's like, hey, if it comes up and I'm feeling like I should honor it. You'll be motivated and driven to it in a totally different way. Yeah. It'll be a genuine attraction or a genuine desire versus like yeah playing out something from the past yeah. that you just like unconsciously don't even know what's up yeah yeah so i'm actually kind of looking forward to that like urge if it does pop up again like so that i can experience that in this it would be so different yeah. yeah it would actually be like super dope now i'd be like oh wow like there's so much more to this because it's not this like pain you know cycle that i'm in and um essentially what this whole everything we've just talked about led me to was getting more in touch with the medicine uh cambo i don't know if you're familiar with that have you uh done it before or heard about it i haven't nope so uh cambo is something from south america from the amazon and it's a secretion from the giant monkey tree frog which if you ever look it up mm -hmm. they're so dope looking like they're these giant like really almost like sloth like frogs like they're really big and they have these like long limbs and I don't know, they're just super dope looking. And they, when they get scared. Do you have to kill them? They don't. Yay. So it's kind of vegan. <laughs> Is it like, yeah. well, it's not vegan. It's vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's slightly, it's as ethical as you possibly can make it. If you get it from the right sources where they have like a sim symbiotic relationship with the, with the animals. Mm-hmm you know, you can put all of the marketing and branding like sustainable and, yeah. you know, <laughs> stuff and whatever. At the end of the day, the shaman is calling the frog with a song out of the tree, which is like one of the most wild things ever. And when you ask, when people ask the shamans how they came up with the song, they said that the frogs told them. And it's like, man, people's connection with nature is so incredible. And we're so isolated yeah. from it. And I really... You know, anybody that hears that and is like, that's fucking stupid. Like, I, I encourage you to check in with why you feel that's stupid. Because I went through the same thing where, you know, people would like, they'd share that during ayahuasca ceremonies, the shaman would call in, you know, X, Y, and Z, my first ceremony. The shaman and one of the facilitators was like, yeah, we called in a lot of spider energy to catch different things for you in your webs. And I was like, when I woke up the next morning, there were two dead spiders next to me on the floor. So like, you know, you know, in the ceremony room. So like, didn't see any spiders the rest of the time that I was there. But on that first night when they were calling in spider energy, there were two dead, like there was a spider that I killed accidentally and then another one just like fucking hanging out there. So <laughs> really, really 
you know, interesting things. So the, the Cambo medicine traditionally is applied by burning your skin in a small, like almost like a pencil eraser size. If you can picture that little circle mm -hmm. with an incense stick or, you know, a, a specific type of wood that they would use in the Amazon, you burn the skin there and that opens a gate as they say to your lymphatic system. And once the medicine is applied to that area, it there's like, I'm not an expert in this, but it's something like 96 different peptides in the secretion itself that have 96 different interactions in the human body, whether it's, you know, neuroplasticity or hormone regulation or immune system modulation or antibacterial properties or antimicrobial or antiviral, anti-inflammatory, like whatever it is, it's like a really, really intense, like all encompassing healer. And it's, it sounds almost too good to be true, but I would encourage people to do some research. And if you feel called to it, um, find a practitioner in your area. There's a website called IAKP.org and it's um, International Association of Cambo Practitioners. And there you can find like a certified, you know, legit specialist or shaman, you know, facilitator, practitioner, shaman, whatever word you want to use. And so um, since I began this sex addiction journey, I've become very familiar with it. Is that our, our cue? No, it's just an alarm that I have on for every day at 6pm. Don't no worry. Worries. That's to track my moods uh, because... <laughs> I'm trying to stay on top of my mental health. <laughs> good alarm to have, honestly. It's a really good app called Dalio. <laughs> okay. I might have to check that out. So over the past year, I've done 13 ceremonies with it. And um, I was getting like closer, more acquainted with a shaman here in Austin. And she, you know, was seeing how much I was resonating with it every time we would do it. And each time we would go deeper and one time I showed up and she was like, what do you want to do today? And I was like, I want to open up my heart. I want to, you know, feel love. I want to do, you know, burn the points across my chest. And um, I think it's time for me to become a man and to, to put this, you know, sex addiction behind me and stop being a slave to this thing that causes me to like lose track of time and like go after these different things. And pursue this endless rabbit chase of validation and, and, um, and, you know, sickness and like self-loathing essentially. And she was like, okay, cool. Yeah. The heart is a perfect place to start with that because any addiction is coming out of a, a hole that you're trying to fill. So yeah. let's open up those blocks so that you can be filled by your own, your own light and your own vibrance and not need these things to, um, to validate yourself anymore. And so we did. And that felt like that was the initiation to the initiation ritual. So I can show you my, my thing right here. So there's... That's awesome. And I saw it on Instagram, right? The other day. Yeah. So there's five that you can't really see right now. That was the original five that we did during the ceremony that I'm talking about. And then these 13 are from something that I did on Tuesday. So two days ago. And, uh, so this is really perfect timing that we're talking about this. Yeah. We set this up. Um, so essentially that first heart opening ceremony that was uh, 12 days ago, that what, what I experienced during that ceremony was like, I threw up something that felt like 
a piece of like rotten meat inside of my core. It was like something that had been dead inside of me for a very, very long time. And I threw this thing up and I heard a voice in my head say 21 years. And I was like, weird. What happened 21 years ago Mm. that's involving sex that in a ceremony that my intention was to release sex addiction, would it feel like I'm throwing up something that's been rotting in my body for 21 years and get this whole mental, emotional, physical, like all of these things intertwining and pointing me in the same direction. And I was like, okay, did I just throw up my sex addiction? Like the wound that I've been holding in myself since the, you know, the abuse that I went through as a kid. And I was just like, okay, cool. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a bunch of books <laughs> about becoming a man and becoming, you know, comfortable with your sexuality. And so in the 10 days between that and um, that ceremony and this most recent one that I did on Tuesday, I read two books. One was called The Truth by Neil Strauss, where he talks about, you know, sex, sex addiction and monogamy and different things. And it's fascinating. And that's a rabbit hole for another time. And then I read another one that I, I liked a lot more called The Way of the Superior Man. And I encourage any... Mm. It's so fucking good. Any man, especially listening to this, like I encourage you, if you haven't read it, just read it and give it, you know, go into it with an open mind and try to understand like what the divine masculine is and what it means to embody essentially the light of the sun is the, is the, it's consistent and steady love. That's what being, that's what actually being a man is. It's not chasing after validation. It's not, you know, desperately trying to get the attention of others. It's just standing there in confidence and just being like, this is who the fuck I am. I love you. And holding that energy and that space for your woman who is a wave, who is rocking and ebbing and flowing and tire, like can be a tyrant sometimes and can be all the different things and like be that man, just be that rock. I mean, think of the two icons that we have in our sky. We have the sun that doesn't give a fuck what's going on. It's always there. Even if there's clouds, it's still there. It's always constant. It's just like, here I am. I am loving and growing and healing. And this is just what I do. And I'm, it's the essence of the divine masculine. And then we have the moon that has its own, it literally has cycles. Like it goes through the same way that a woman does. And how eerie, you know, that a woman's cycle is linked to the moon cycles. And it's like, when you start to like actually, you know, from a different perspective, think about these different things, it's so, amazing. I don't know, it makes me believe in God. Yeah, it's so amazing. It's like, oh, yeah, there's, there's like actually intelligence behind us and in, in the universe. All of it. Oh man, I love yeah, it. It's so good. Yeah, when you're like, oh, everything's a happy accident. I'm like, is it? Is it though? Is like there's <laughs> like no. <laughs> like, there's so many things that when you like put the pieces together, you're like the yin, the yang, the one, the zero, the the one, or the the male and the female, the sun and the moon. Like it all fucking comes together, and you're like, oh, okay. The day and night, dark and light. Like it all, it all has this resonance there, and so starting to understand that in myself and how I can apply that to different things. This also coincided with me becoming celibate, essentially. And so it wasn't becoming celibate out of shame, like I needed to restrain myself and be like, 
no, you can't have anything. You can't have sexual gratification because you don't deserve it. It was like, you don't need it anymore. It was after that, after that ceremony where I threw up that piece that I'd been holding on to, and this is all metaphorically, you're just throwing up water. Mm-hmm. Have a ceremony that you drink to make sure that you have something to throw up when the peptides start, you know, scrunching your stomach mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, before that, five women in a row, like I, I usually have a pretty easy time with women. Like I'm, you know, good with my words and I can like, I can just be honest. Like I just am myself when it comes to women and I, and they like that. And so usually things kind of just go my way and I'm not forcing anyone to do anything or being manipulative. I'm just like, here I am, this is what's going on. And there's all kinds of different ways you can unpack that. Some of my friends disagree with me. They think that by being yourself and, you know, pretending like you don't care about things is manipulative, but that's a whole bag of worms to get into another time. But five women in a row were like blatantly like no to me. And I was just like, huh? Like, this is like, what the fuck? Like, okay, uh, like, that's cool. Like, I, of course, am not, like, expecting us to immediately have sex the first time that we're, you know, meeting each other, but, like, hmm, weird. And it just happened, like, time after time after time, and I was like, this is bullshit. Like, what's going on? This is usually, like, not an issue. Like, what, why is this happening? And so that led me to seek the healing of this addiction where the universe was like, all right, you had your fun. Now it's time to stop and like figure out what's going on. So I did that, read the books, came in, you know, got in touch with things. And then I asked my shaman if I was ready for the warrior's initiation ritual. And the warrior's initiation ritual is 13 burns across your chest. It's three ceremonies in one night where you do you fill nine of the 13 points, do a whole ceremony, take them off, rest, do 11 of the 13 points, take them off, rest, and then do 13 of 13 points. And it was like the single most difficult thing I've gone through in my entire life. Like it was, it's, it's hard to even remember like going through it. It like, it's really like being in some sort of like portal and you just know that if you get through it, you're going to come out on the other side you know, more emotionally, physically, energetically healed than you were before. And, you know, it's a special kind of ceremony. It's not something that everybody is called to do or um, could handle. You kind of have to like work up to it. I wouldn't recommend trying it on your first time because it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of that, you know, energy and, and, um, and space to handle. But coming out of it on the other side, like waking up on Wednesday morning, I was like, this might be my first day as a man. Like this might be my first day as, as a man, you know, that I I just turned 25 uh, a little over a month ago and just being able to like come out of that and feel that and be like, okay, this is, this is a new life. This is a new life with permanent changes and I can heal and I can stay healed and I don't have to be a slave to this, this thing that's been plaguing me my whole life essentially. That's amazing. The healed masculine. Yeah. The healed constant love of mm-hmm. the divine masculine. And that's, that's ultimately my focus right now. And that's, you know, where I, you know, intend to go going forward. And, and it's, so it's, it's fucking hilarious. I, um, 
during this time have been calling in, you know, like a partner. I've been calling in like someone that I can focus on, like actually building a space of like powerful sexual energy with and like feeling like what it is like to be healed with someone and to acknowledge any further things that need to be healed. You know, it's not going to be perfect. Like immediately. It's not like Mm. I did this ceremony and now I'm like this perfect divine masculine. Like my sexuality is a complete, you know, 100%, you know, this perfect creation. It's not, and it's a, it's a learning experience, but to begin that I've been calling that into my life and I've just been watching temptation after temptation, like come in and it's not even like a, it's not even a question anymore. I'm just like, before I, if any girl gave me any attention and I thought she was attractive, it was like, I have to fuck her. I have to. It's just the, the screaming insecure boy inside of me needed that attention and needed that validation. And so it was just like, oh yeah, for sure. I'm definitely going to do that. Now it's, you know, I'm like, okay, that's cool. I respect you. I don't want anything to do with you. Goodbye. You know, and it's like this weird thing of just like acknowledging like, no, we're not going to be good for each other. That's not a bag of worms that I want to open. Like, thank you, but you're off. It's amazing. Good for you. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Takes a lot of courage and a lot of strength, but I think it's beautiful and it will, and it does help other people. You know, it, it helps me. Like I kind of, Um, some of these podcasts I talk more than others and you know this one really felt like just to let you have the space to talk but there's a lot of work that I've been doing on the sexual shame piece and observing my own dynamics with different partners and it is fascinating to see when you know that's definitely something that I'm working through like working on seeing these very attractive dynamics that appear and you're like oh but that's not real like that's like my trauma and his trauma and I can see it and anyway so thank you so much for just sharing all of that for I kind of like enjoy just sitting and listening and reflecting on some of the things that are going on for me right now so I really appreciate it and um yeah you're amazing Wyatt thank you I'll see you next week yeah, I'll see you in exactly a week. But yeah, I um, I can't thank you enough for giving me the space. And it, of course, came at such perfect timing for me to to articulate this in a, a way. And I, you know, I'm, I don't know. I My intention with sharing things like this is not to make anybody feel bad about where they're at in their journey. Because um, it's, I, I'm sure that it could seem like I conquered it and I'm fucking awesome and look at me, you know. But like, it's a, it's a celebration for me right now because it's something that's been you know, deeply, deeply troubling for a long time. And uh, I'm proud of it, you know, and there's always more things to work on. You'll find something else. Don't worry. That's, that's the way life goes. We peel back different layers, but it's like the list. Okay. Tick yeah. that one. What's next? <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah. And I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of In My Truth. You can find the show notes on my website under the tab podcasts or sarahregalhoof.com forward slash In My Truth podcast. To stay updated on all of our episodes, subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcasting app. We cover some pretty intense stuff in our episodes. So if anything is coming up for you, please don't be afraid to reach out for help. In the show notes of every episode, you'll find a list of resources but good friend Google will always be able to help you depending on where you're located in the world. 
Remember, you're not alone and there is hope, even though it may not feel that way at times. Talk to someone, a friend or family member, and let them support you. Reach out to a professional, do whatever you need to start your journey back to feeling good. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, either publicly or anonymously, head to my website and book in. Once again, it's sarahregelhoof.com forward slash in my truth podcast. Thanks again for being here.